Every toxic person is difficult, but not every difficult person is toxic. If there's one word, one phrase to describe it, I would say what makes a person toxic is that they're destroying you. They're, they're carving bits and pieces out of you. And we are called to sacrifice, but sacrificing for someone is different than them taking pieces out of you so that there's nothing left. The first thing is they tend to be very controlling. You will do what they want you to do. And that completely goes against Matthew 6.33 when Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom, not a toxic parent's kingdom, not a toxic adult child's kingdom, not a toxic spouse's kingdom, not a toxic pastor's kingdom. Jesus models it by letting others walk away and, and choosing to walk away from others that he isn't controlling. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 39. Welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. Today we're talking about when to walk away. Sometimes the line between healthy boundaries, sacrificial love, and what's biblical gets blurred. So today we're sorting through all that. When it's fruitful to step in and really show up for someone or when to take a step back because this relationship or a dynamic with someone is more damaging than helpful. Maybe you've felt guilt or shame at the idea of cutting off a situation that you know is not healthy for you or the other person but you feel the need to be the answer for the situation or maybe you feel like you're all they have well i will tell you personally that you are not the only person that's felt that way that's something i've struggled with in the past and it takes time to learn what those healthy boundaries are and that they are in fact biblical some of us have to kind of deconstruct and reconstruct our ideology and our theology around what it means and what it looks like to have healthy fruitful love even when that means sometimes walking away or creating space Well, we're diving into the nuances of all of this with today's guest, Gary Thomas. You may have heard of him from some of his books like Sacred Marriage or The Sacred Search. Gary Thomas's writing and speaking focuses on bringing people closer to Christ and closer to others. He's the author of 18 books that together have sold over a million copies and have been translated into more than a dozen languages. With a bachelor's in English literature from Western Washington University and a master's degree in systematic theology from Regent College and an honorary doctor of divinity degree from Western Seminary, Gary's speaking ministry has led him to speak in 49 states and around the world alongside numerous national television and radio programs, including Focus on the Family and Family Life Today. And he and his wife, Lisa, have been married for 35 years and they have three adult children and one precious granddaughter. So after hearing about Gary's latest book, When to Walk Away, detailing all of the nuances of what it means to biblically create healthy boundaries in toxic relationships, I thought he would just be so ideal to have this conversation with. So without further ado, here is today's conversation with Gary Thomas. All 
All right, Gary, it's so great having you on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's so funny how things come back full circle because I was just talking to you about how I believe you came and um, kind of you kind of spoke on gospel centered love um, at my church a couple years ago. So it's super cool to have you sometime later here on the podcast having this conversation in different circumstances. But um, I know you have an important message here nonetheless with your latest book about when to walk away. And, you know, I just wanted to ask what led you to specifically write on this topic? And just for those who maybe aren't totally familiar with your work, what's what your background is leading up to the work you're doing today? Yeah, I've, I've been writing books for 25 years. Yeah, forever. <laughs> um, and it started out writing spiritual formation books, How We're Shaped in Christ, then wrote Sacred Marriage, which just kind of took off and started to define me. I tried to keep writing spiritual formation books and still do from time to time, but I'm sort of like a baker who wants to cook croissants, but everybody buys the donuts. <laughs> Eventually, you say, and so I, my marriage books are, are sell better. They're more well-known. It's sort of what I've become known for when churches have me and I'm usually talking on mm-hmm. marriage or relationships. And when to walk away came about in in large part just my own naivete yeah. uh, and and I, I was ashamed i had spent so much of my life focusing on playing offense by that i mean being grounded in scripture surrendered to the spirit wanting to walk in obedience listening for god's voice expecting that you know people will see the truth and they'll repent or they'll you know we'll be able to work things out right i never thought about playing spiritual defense where you just have to walk away. It just mm-hmm. wasn't even in my vocabulary. I would have thought of that as a failure. And when I came across the, a situation, I just could not understand how this person was acting. It didn't make sense to me. I have a good friend in your neck of the woods, actually. Not, well, the state. California's a big state. Yeah, he's yeah. Down, he's down in San Diego. But um, he, he's been in marriage and family therapy 30, 30 years and just really wise. And he knew of the situation. So what do you, how do I respond? Do I confront him with this? And he says, I, I recommend you not engage him at all. Mm. And I thought, that, 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 how could that be? And then he said, I want you to go to the book of Luke. Count how many times Jesus walked away from someone and let somebody walk away from him. Well, Brittany, I, I went to all four gospels and it was like, I, I'm embarrassed. I can't count the number of times wow. I've read the New Testament. I started when I was eight and I'm 58. But it, it opened up my, how did I not see this before? I, I don't believe Jesus ever failed. And so I had to realize that while it is important to play offense and to reach out and to love and to serve and to sacrifice, there are times when Jesus modeled walking away and times when Jesus explicitly told us to walk away. And that just was not in my vocabulary. And so, like I said, I'm embarrassed it took me into my 50s to get here, wow. but I'm I'm glad God's finally gotten me there. I'm so glad that you've shared all of that um, and that you're speaking on this topic because there is such this interesting intersection when it comes to Christianity and this idea of boundaries and walking away that has been such a slippery slope. Even for me, I completely identify with this um, because I feel like there's been this um, almost like this push of like, well, Jesus turned the other cheek, you know, and this 
this kind of ideology of, you know, endurance through suffering, which that is biblical, um, but a, a very big polarization of it in a way. Where it's just like, no, you just you yeah. suffer, you suffer, you endure, you endure, um, and you just remain like Christ, and you just, you know, God is, you're serving unto the Lord. Don't worry about what man's doing to you. Just trust God to kind of deal with it. Um, what, 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 what's the issue with that? Like, where, how has that gotten so polarized? Well, you know, I think we just tend to focus on a few passages instead of the overall picture. Jesus was a martyr. And like you, that's what I lived by. That must be the godly choice. When I saw how many times Jesus walked away and went through the New Testament, I was startled at the numerous occasions where somebody tried to persecute Jesus, tried to beat up Jesus, tried to kill Jesus, and he walked away. Mm. So Jesus basically told, not today. There'll come a time I lay my life down but it's not going to be today. And so he he walked away from at least six recorded instances in the New Testament and then submitted to one. So he didn't say, every time you want to crucify me, you get to crucify me. He decided when they did it. Um, and, you know, I mentioned about playing on the offense. Again, this is how blind I can be. I've quoted Matthew 6.33 more times than I can count. When mm-hmm. I preach a sermon, I can see my wife's eyes go back in her head when I quote <laughs> Matthew 6.33 because she's told me it's possible to preach a sermon without quoting Matthew 6.33. <laughs> and I, I know in theory it is. It's difficult for me. So I've quoted that. I've done books on it. Matthew 6.33, I should say for those, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and I love it because it sets my agenda. That's Jesus saying to the church, go on the advance. You don't live for yourself. It's not about your reputation, not about your enrichment, not about your comfort, not about your fame. It is all about the kingdom. Seek God's kingdom first. That's what I want to do. Seven verses later. Matthew 7, 6, just seven verses later. Now, it's a different chapter, so we might not read them together, but Jesus spoke them together. That's where Jesus says the famous passage, don't throw your pearls before swine Mm. or give what is kosher to dogs or else they'll turn on you and trample them and try to tear you to pieces. Yeah. And, And so, Brittany, it was Jesus saying to the church, go on the offense. I got that. But he said, but... Be careful. There are certain toxic people out there. If you willy-nilly, you, without discrimination, you throw those pearls that were so valuable in the first century. This is good stuff you're giving them. They will not just hate you for it. Right. They will try to destroy you for presenting it. And Jesus, by warning them, is saying, and this is what I want your listeners to get, I don't want that to happen to you. Yeah. I don't want you to be just beaten up by not being wise and discerning about when to walk away. I missed that. I thought that is an outlier statement of Jesus. It didn't make sense to me until I saw his modeling walking away. It was hard for me to hear him tell me to walk away. Wow. Yeah, there's so many nuances that are going through my head right now, but I'm going to stay on track here because um, I, I, I see what you're saying. And, and it's just that whole idea of like, making sure we're staying in context and seeing the full picture and what you're saying about basically picking and choosing your battles. Jesus picked and chose his battle. He didn't die on every single cross. He chose one, you know, um, and that was a very specific calling for Christ, (laughs) you know. Um, And so on that line, something that you also 
touch on in your book is what's the difference between difficult people and toxic people, which I think is the fine line to discern. It's like, when is it like, hey, this is just a hard situation and it comes with people and it comes with the messiness of dealing with people and you work through it because you love each other and that's what you're called to. And like a situation that's just like, hey, this is out of your hands and, um, you know, this is give it to God <laughs> kind of situation. I'm, I'm glad you went here and feel free to cut me off if I go too long <laughs> no, <you're> <laughs> because it's, it's such a key thing. So I'll, I'll explain the difference, give a short answer. I'll start to get longer. And you can cut me off then. <laughs> so um, every toxic person is difficult, but not every difficult person is toxic. If there's one word, one phrase to describe it, I would say what makes a person toxic is that they're destroying you. They're, Mm. they're carving bits and pieces out of you. And we are called to sacrifice, but sacrificing for someone is different than them taking pieces out of you so that there's nothing left. Um, in the book, I, I have three chapters where I'm trying to say this, and not every toxic person is all of this, but they often major in at least one or two mm-hmm. of these. The first thing is they tend to be very controlling. Yeah. You will do what they want you to do. And that completely goes against Matthew 6.33 when Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom, not a toxic parent's kingdom, not a toxic adult child's kingdom, not a toxic spouse's kingdom, not a toxic pastor's kingdom. Jesus seek first God's kingdom. But they're going to control you. And this was one of the most astonishing things for me in the study for the book was that as powerful as God is and as right as God is, 100% of the time, if he chose to control me, I kind of think I'd be a little better off. But he doesn't. The Bible goes out of its way. The famous passage in the Old Testament, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's like God lays out the truth. Jesus models it by letting others walk away and and choosing to walk away from others that he isn't controlling. And in the New Testament, while it talks about demonic possession, it never talks about God possession. God doesn't operate that way. He honors our choice. So if somebody is controlling you, that's a toxic thing to do. Yeah. Second element is that they they have a murderous spirit. And I don't just mean trying to get your heart to stop beating. If you look at their life, they murder small groups. They murder office environments. They murder relationships. They turn people against each other. They tear apart churches. They make businesses miserable. They murder your joy, your peace, your self-confidence. And that's what I mean by taking pieces. And you might say, well, why is that such a concern? Well, if somebody's murdering your joy, the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our strength, yeah. So they're making you weak. If they murder your self-confidence, you're not being selfish. What they're doing is they're making you think you're not going to speak up to the next person. You're not going to think you have anything to offer. You're going to start to question yourself. And, and so you make yourself less available to be used by others. And then I found, this is the third thing, and, that, and I'll wrap that up, is they love to hate. Th- this is what I didn't get mm. before. B- Paul has two lists in Colossians 3, one that we take off and one that we put on, one that some people love and one we should hate. The list that we take off is really what list that the toxic people, I'll say the positive list. It's kindness, compassion, gentleness, patience, uh, forbearance, and, and love, and he says what is toxic would be anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, 
and lying. Mm. Now, people are convicted when I say that because they well, I do that at times. But here's what makes it toxic, Brittany. A toxic person comes alive when they're doing their worst. It's what energizes them. It makes them get excited. The the one of the huge revelations for me when I was working this book and where I think I failed earlier as a pastor and just a friend is that when I would try to save a marriage, I'm thinking, how do I help this marriage be healthy? How do they experience a healthy marriage? Not realizing that some, uh, let me just use men in this example. It can go both ways. But some men, they didn't want to keep, they didn't want to pursue a healthy marriage. They wanted to keep the marriage alive because they got a sick satisfaction out of cruelly abusing and slowly destroying their wife. Yeah. And it was horrific. And, and some people, they don't, an, a, a healthy office environment is boring. They've got to inject intrigue. They want to have slander. They want to lie about people. They want to get involved in politics and power slaves. Because working together for a mission, having a profitable business, encouraging each other, everybody using their gift, that healthy stuff is boring to them. And so when you realize that somebody loves to hate, they're not into healthy relationships. They're not into healthy offices. They want to – they get a cheap thrill out of being evil. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has Groupinar sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify, and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. 
Okay, let's get back to the conversation. And what I'm what I'm hearing you say through all this, it's also very distinct, um, I guess, between a difficult person and a toxic person is that it's not this person that like, okay, you have a disagreement, you, you know, don't see eye to eye on something and you just have this disagreement with this person. But there's there's a trend in their life where it's like in every domain, you know, there's issues in the work domain, there's issues, there's kind of issues wherever they go. And it's following yeah. them in multiple relationships and multiple domains. Um and that's what I'm hearing is the trend. And, and I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, you've got it. A healthy person, when you disagree, they can say, well, we're going to agree to disagree. The toxic person is saying, I'm going to remove your ability to have a voice. They would try to get you fired. They would go to whatever they could to say that you've got to stop podcasting. If you disagree with them, you can't speak to anyone. Uh, they're going to control you. And and I've heard stories, Brittany, of, of toxic people, one where this guy has not seen his toxic person in 25 years. Yeah. And every couple of years, a toxic person will come back. They're not going to give up until they die getting this person to do what they want to do in their own toxic ways. And that's the kind of thing where you think you haven't seen him in 25. Can't you don't you have a life? Can you move on? But but toxic people are are just like that. And so it's important to learn discernment. Is this going to be fruitful in the interaction? Can we both benefit or do we have to realize we just need to walk away? And if the person won't walk away, that's a, an indicator that there might be toxicity behind the disagreement and you need to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking from a faith-based perspective, um, I just have to throw this one in there kind of from the side here. <laughs> but um, I've, I've seen this used with um, like spiritual abuse, you know, oh, yeah. and that can be so manipulative because scripture is being used to get the person to stay or get the person to um, like not walk away or not see things clearly, gaslighting in a way. Um, oh, can we yeah. talk about those boundaries sure. and what kind of that might look like spiritually in a spiritual setting? Yeah. Where it's yeah, harder I'm, to discern and see because it's like they're using scripture, but, you know. Well, go back to the model of Jesus. This is, this is a great discussion to bring. I'm glad you did. In, in the – everybody's heard about the rich young ruler and uh, – I don't think the rich young ruler was a toxic person at all. There's nothing in the account that indicates he's toxic. Jesus let him walk away. What's the significance of that? One of the gospels mentions that Jesus loved him. There was something about this young man that Jesus was drawn to. He saw potential. His heart was engaged. And he gave him the invitation to come follow me. So all you have to the poor, come follow me. The only individual... The only individuals who got that were the 12 disciples who ended up following him. Yeah. It, it, that, that was a very special invitation where Jesus is saying, you can be on the inside. Well, the, the rich young ruler, Bible tells, went away very sad because he was very rich, which I think is a funny line. Because usually we think you're very sad if you're very poor. Right. The Bible said he went away very sad because he was very rich. But here's the thing. Jesus let him walk away. He didn't chase after him. He turned to his disciples and say, let me explain to you why it's so difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So 
if you're with a pastor or a teacher who throws out the truth, this is what God is calling of you, and you say, no, I don't think so, and then they hound you and they follow you and they threaten you, and that's not Jesus' modus operandi at all. Mm. Jesus spoke the truth and he let people go. If somebody is trying to control you, they're not using the methods of Jesus, even if they're trying to speak the message of Jesus. We Health is the message of Jesus with the methods of Jesus. And so control has been a real issue. It crops up. It seems like to me, I, you know, I'm old enough to where you see it come again every 15, 20 years, yeah. a new movement, and often with great motives and sometimes with great teaching. It's just the methods are so toxic, it ends up undercutting the teaching. Yeah. And, and, and so we have to honor each other. We have to honor truth and, and, and have our radar up and saying, even if what you're saying is true, if you're acting in a toxic way, I'm not part of it. And and look, we can do that with conversations between husbands and wives, but but I think you're wise to raise it in, in churches. Uh, and also, somebody doesn't have to be 100% toxic in everything they say to be toxic. They don't have to be toxic in 100% of what they do to be toxic. You might be in a church that's giving you some good teaching, that's doing some good things, but that doesn't mean that they can't be toxic in their methods or in their message in other areas. So don't don't let them gaslight you because you know yeah. they are speaking some truth. They are seeing some spreading some love. Maybe they are helping some people. But if they're destroying you, that's all you need to know. It's not a healthy place for you to be. Wow. Thank I I actually I honestly did not plan on going in this direction, but I am so glad that you touched on that. Um, just because I even know personally some people who struggle with that. And so I know others who are listening um, might be experiencing spiritual gaslighting and abuse in that way. And so I definitely wanted to make that salient. So thank you for touching on that. And uh, just even going deeper into the different domains that you're talking about, you know, it, boundaries would kind of look different when it comes to maybe the 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 toxicity or mental, emotional, psychological, or even physical abuse it, with a family member versus a friend versus a dating relationship versus a marriage where you're bound by covenant. And I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about the nuances of that and maybe what is appropriate given the context of the relationship. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it it takes me several chapters <laughs> to to. I know set it's a loaded up. question, <laughs> um, but so but let me just try to summarize it. One, we have to start with the the clear Christian truth that I think we probably don't stress enough. Jesus claims a new allegiance. Jesus, in his words and actions, says, "Your highest allegiance." is to my kingdom, that Christ's blood supersedes familial blood. So there were times when his, his, um, his family even would come to him and, and were trying to distract him from his mission. He said, who are my mothers and brothers? It's those who do the will of God and obey it. Um, mm. He said many times, if you're not willing to walk away from mother, father, children, even on one case, wife in Luke 18, you're not worthy of me. We have somewhat idolized the family. I know it seems weird that a guy who's sort of focused on marriage is saying that, but yeah. I, I'm trying to be true to scripture. As important as I think marriage is, as seriously as we should take the vows, when it 
comes push to shove, uh, Jesus makes it clear that we are to be committed to his kingdom first so that yeah. um, if a marriage, if a parenting relationship, if a child relationship is calling us out of our allegiance to Jesus, Jesus makes it clear that we're not just urged to leave. We would almost be commanded to leave. So I want to honor my parents. I have wonderful parents, but if I had toxic parents and it wasn't safe for me, if I had young kids and it wasn't safe for me to leave my kids with them, I wouldn't out of guilt think I have to honor my parents by letting my kids spend the night. That would be abuse to my kids. I, in fact, I, I had this with a guy one time. I said, you honor your mom by treating her as if she's healthy. In this case, his mom was being toxic to his wife, and they had had a really tough year, Brittany, some financial challenges, health challenges, close friend, just all these things. And she just said to him right before the holidays, I just can't bear to go be beaten up by your mom, uh, speaking verbally, but it hurt just as much. He knew she wasn't overreacting. She wasn't being overly sensitive. And yeah. he said, well, Gary, what am I supposed to do? My mom's going to be so offended. And I said, honor her by acting her as if treating her as she's healthy. If if my son said, dad, just my marriage, my family, we just can't get there. I would be sad, but I'd say, bud, I'm proud of you. You're supposed to put your family first. That's what I raised you to do. Not only would I not make him feel guilty, I would say, you're being a good husband. I would want to commend him. I said, if your mom doesn't respond in a healthy way, that's on her, yep, that's not on, on her. you. Yeah. We, we can't, we have to walk away from the guilt, the false guilt we face when unhealthy people have unhealthy reactions to healthy decisions. And, and, and so when you're dealing with adult children, when you're dealing with adult parents that are that, or an adult spouse, here's what I found, Brittany, and I was just talking about somebody about this yesterday. I asked them, has all of the time you've ever poured into a toxic person ever helped that toxic person? And they said, no, never. I said, and has it taken away time from healthy relationships? And they said, always. And I said, you know what? How long do we have to live until we realize God calls us to healthy relationships? God calls us to reach out to, to non-believers who are willing to hear in a healthy way, to people who are struggling but but want to account. And so um, it, it's just learning to discern, is this a person who's difficult? Is yeah. this a person who's addicted, but they're convicted and they want to change? Or is this a person who's just toxic? And it's going to be a waste of time. Even if I'm related to them, there may be a time when I have to walk away. Now, let me add real quickly. Walking away doesn't mean writing off. Uh, in the parable of the prodigal son, when a son is humiliated by life, returns and is repentant, the father runs toward him, puts his arms around his knees. Now, the father didn't grab him when the son left. He grabbed him when the son returned. And and so if you realize there's been a heart change right. with this person, by all means, welcome him back, but not before. Yeah, thank you so much for making that distinction, you know, because you do hear, I'll just use marriage for an example since we're on that topic, you know, I have heard, well, you know, as long as they haven't hit them, 
right? Like, it has to be the ultimate extreme form of abuse, right? As long as their life isn't threatened by being hit or beaten, then, you know, the spouse is called to stay and be an example and endure. And it, and it kind of, it always baffled me in a way. It's like, okay, so God cares more for the worth of this abusing person than the person that's receiving it you know uh in a way it creates this imbalance because it's like you know why is one person worthy of of patience and whatnot and the other person is only worthy of receiving the abuse you know there's this imbalance and I think a lot of people struggle with that and it just takes a hit to their self-esteem but it is perpetuated with this kind of theology and there are steps I, I tell people because I, I respect people that want to keep their marriages together. Yeah. And is it okay to divorce? I said, you know what? We're not there yet. Right. You need to be safe. And, and But in that situation where if it's not violent but it's still destructive, what I did with one couple where the man was extremely controlling. I mentioned this in the book. We, we don't have time to go into things, but anybody would look and just say that is suffocating behavior. And I did recommend a separation and I said, and you don't get to contact her unless she contacts you first. If she sends the first text, you can respond, but you don't get to send the first text. And I go, and not even a Bible verse in the morning, that's going to be seen as you trying to influence her. And when he got out, she was able to breathe and he realized what he had done. And as we were talking later, I said to him, you know, you're spiritually ready when you can tell me, I don't want my wife to come back if I haven't changed. I don't ever want her to be controlled again. Uh, now, it's a happy story. His his wife is thrilled with him, and this is years yeah. ago, um, because he, he repented, he was humbled, he changed, and so a separation rather than a divorce was able to affect that. But in some cases, Brittany, this is where we have to be careful. I think some pastors don't get yeah. marriage. Marriage keeps you connected financially. It keeps you connected with other privileges. And if somebody is truly toxic, as long as there isn't a divorce, they can use that to keep terrorizing their spouse. Right. And, and that's where we need to stand against evil. And, Every good thing that God has created, evil can infiltrate. We should all be part of a church, but evil people sometimes take over a church. Mm-hmm. Parenting is a holy thing, and the Bible says, honor your mother and father. But when a parent abuses that, it's evil to leave a child with a parent that is abusing them in horrific ways. Right. Uh, the Bible says obey the government authorities. We're told that in Romans 13, and yet there are examples of civil disobedience that are appropriate. And I believe we're to honor our marriage, but there are examples where Jesus himself says that sometimes a marriage has to be broken or left. And so we just have to look at the totality of Scripture and recognize that even though God created marriage and it's good, God created parenting and it's good, God created authority and that's good and the church and it's good we can't be naive that evil infiltrates all of that and as the people of god we stand against evil it doesn't undercut the institution marriage is good but when a marriage is used for evil purposes that's when it has to be dismantled that doesn't give a statement on marriage in general right just on that particular marriage 
Yeah, I think what you're speaking to are just the fa- is just the fact that this is very nuanced, and I think that there has been this very black and white approach, and that's actually something I kind of see that we do not all the time, but in the church when it comes to a lot of issues that are nuanced, um, even mental health. You know, a lot of people ask, is it spiritual? Is it mental? It's biological, and you're like it's it's all it's all of it, you know. Um, why do we have to polarize everything as this or that? It really depends on the situation. And you even see Jesus being nuanced when he's healing on the Sabbath. Well, do you heal or do you work on the Sabbath or do you not? Well, it depends on the situation. And in this situation, Jesus was called to do this because the person mattered more, you know. Um, and so I appreciate you speaking to those to those nuances um, that are very important because God cares about those who are made in his image who who are being abused and he is a god of justice so um so thank you so much for saying that and you know can i uh, I, yes please don't mean to interrupt but can i add one more thing about that because i I think it's significant in your field we when you're working with couples you have to understand not everybody can handle the same thing i've seen couples where the guy had a sexual addiction and their marriage is in an amazing place because the guy's gone through a sexual addiction and if he's working the steps and he, he's becoming a different person and, and God gets great glory when that marriage comes together. But there are some women, they just can't go through that. It, it destroys them and they, they need to break away. Yeah. And you have to realize you, you don't fault them. We all can have different things. I think it's the same thing with mental illness. I've seen some, some spouses love uh, a spouse through mental illness when they stop taking their meds and then restart and it just that would throw and some just say I just can't do this um, and so I think as friends as pastors as counselors we have to have empathy that we're not all alike we can't all run a marathon we can't all play an instrument uh, we, we we can't all climb a mountain and, and so to have one rule that this is what you have to do assumes this person is capable of doing that. So we always leave room for supernatural empowerment and grace, but we don't try to destroy somebody who just says the thought of being with the spouse after what they've done, I just can't go there. Then we say, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't cut off the, the stories of heroic faith, but it doesn't make the heroic, the expected for everybody that just isn't capable of that. Right. And what's, what I struggle with, if I can be honest, is a lot of times the people who I see advising these things, you know, to stay in the abuse and give it to God and just be an example in all of that, they oftentimes tend to be the people who have not ever been in that situation or will not be in that situation and have no idea what it's like. And so to be in that situation, I think, and have a person who is on the outside telling you to endure something, you know, that's so hard day in and day out, so taxing, so bad for your health, by the way, speaking of mental health, um, of, you know, compiled stress and how that can actually kill you in the long run. Um, yeah, is when you have those people on the outside who are not living that and telling to you to make a decision that they'll never have to live with. I think that's really hard. And I, some, I've seen that in the church and, um, I, I just kind of wanted to open that up. I'm glad you did. I've, I've tried to tell fellow pastors, imagine a woman, uh, I don't mean to always make it a woman, but imagine a woman sitting across from a counselor, describes her marriage, and the counselor says, 
you realize you're married to a toxic, abusive husband. Imagine how she feels. What does this mean for my kids? What does this mean for my future? What does this mean for my safety? What is, I go, it, it's got to be a, a horrific moment that your life has been tied to someone that isn't just difficult, that the, the counselor's admitting this can't be fixed if this person doesn't change. A difficult marriage, you learn new skills, you learn different ways of relating, you go to an intensive weekend, you can work all this out. With a toxic person, you can't have a healthy relationship with a toxic person. We've got to have empathy for those people, not judgment. Um, I, I've never been that. I would never be in that. I mean, I've been married to the same woman for 36 years. We're not going to get yeah. a divorce. But I could just imagine what it would be like um, year 10 of a marriage that you've just been trying and trying and trying. You finally go to a counselor and realize there's nothing you can do to fix the marriage. How does that feel? How helpless? How afraid? What does it mean for the future? We yeah. need compassion. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And, you know, say, what would you say to someone who, say, is thinking about walking away or has walked away? Um, what might be some of the next steps, thinking proactively, of healing for the person who has walked away? Because as you pretty much stated, you, you can't really heal in the same environment that's keeping you sick. You have to have that space. You kind of have to walk away to get more clarity about the situation. Um, hindsight is often twenty twenty. Um, so for the person who is now out of that situation and not wanting to go back into the cycle, right, and bring back those same traits or fall for the same type of person, which happens. Yes. Yeah. Um, what, what might be some of the steps for healing? Okay. Th this verse is going to make me sound like a shameless huckster, so I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you said it. I, I think spiritually I would want them to read When to Walk Away just because of the response I've gotten from so many people. They said, I still yeah. second guess myself. I still, this has set me at ease. I realized not only was I not offending Jesus, I was following in the footsteps of Jesus. And I think spiritually, people just need that release. And I, I can offer that as a pastor with scriptural examples. But there's something I can't offer as a pastor. It's the same reason I don't work regularly with, with addicts. I'll encourage them spiritually. But is a friend of mine who's a therapist who explained to me, he said, Gary, if somebody has a root canal and they come to you, you'll pray for them. You can drive them to the, to the surgeon, but you wouldn't perform it because you're not capable. And he said, there are some psychological hurts and neurological hurts. You need a professional. It's, you don't just need prayer. You need a professional. And like, so issues of mental illness, you, you got to deal with brain chemistry. You need somebody who can understand that and the prescriptions for that. Um, why were you drawn to this toxic person? That's where I would just say you need a professional counselor who knows what she or he is doing. If you've been in that toxic situation, I, I can't tell you how many times since I've worked with marriage that I'll talk to somebody and their first marriage blew up and they get married and they tell me I married the same person. Don't look alike. They have a different name. It's the same person because they didn't do the work. What drew me into that relationship? Yeah. It, it's not to fault them. Maybe they were just really conned by somebody who's really creative and clever. So I'm not blaming them for that. But that's why you want to go to a counselor, a professional 
who can help you figure out, okay, what went on? Why were you drawn to that? Do you need to draw boundaries? Are you codependent? Are you this? Or have you just learned to accept that you feel comfortable with abuse? Because that's what you grew up with. Or, right. You know, th- th- there are a hundred different issues. And then also, you know, you know, in, in mental health, again, not just the counseling, not just the pastoral care, but maybe the medical care. Um, if, is there something that needs to be addressed for the anxiety or, or things that set you up to be an unhealthy relationship? So I would, I would go all out. Just take care of yourself is what I would say. Get pastoral care. Get re- emotional care with a counselor, psychological care. Get medical care. If you've been beaten up in a toxic relationship before you start anything new, Get yourself taken care of. Let professionals help you understand where you're going. And then what I found is so helpful, hold on to those healthy relationships that you have. Get seven friends that you know you can call one a day and, and, and just have a healthy conversation. One of those friends, somebody you laugh with. One of those friends, somebody that you talk about your favorite books with or fashion, whatever you're into. Um, but just realize that we need healthy relationships. And if you're coming out of toxic relationships, rebuild the healthy relationships. So I'm just over here nodding my head off. Like, I think my head's going to fall off. Um, (laughs) so much yes to this. Um, I love, I just love what you're saying in general about just finding safe spaces. I think that for anyone who's been in a toxic relationship, especially long-term, when you walk away, you have this huge void, you know, um, and how you're talking about basically needing to fill that void by focusing on your growth uh, journey um, and how important that is so that we don't, don't go backwards because oftentimes what we want and what we believe are two completely different things. We want a healthy relationship. We want to do something different the next time, but what we believe we actually deserve um, yes. and what and what we are used to is what we end up settling for. So like you said, just going through the, the journey of walking with safe people and people who will help you grow to help shift those mindsets that take time because you've just lived in them automatically for so long and that renewing of the mind that takes place in those safe spaces. So, um, so good. So, so good. Um, one, mm-hmm. one last thing, Yeah, you know, I'm a master. I'm sorry. Um, that I, what I've learned is important working with a lot of people and in my own life, learn self care that isn't indulgence. Uh, yeah, that that's the key to health, to have that understanding of what's because you pr- may not have been taking care of yourself, but you don't want that to become indulgence. It's, it's not a good time to become sexually involved with someone right away. It's not a good time then to go back into a food addiction. A lot of times with guys, it could be porn or gambling or something like that. Learn healthy forms of soul building pleasure so that you can, when you get to that and you you need to start taking care of yourself. You realize, okay, that will relieve the pain, but it's increasing the injury. How do I find self-care that builds me up and makes me stronger so that the pain isn't deadened, the pain is lessened? Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I mean, and I'm thinking right now about taking it into, um, sorry, I'm going to re-say that because I had a dog barking in the background. (laughs) 
Um, when you're saying that, I'm thinking as well about uh, about the church domain again. A lot of times when people have been in an abusive, spiritually abusive church or manipulative and all of that, um, they feel guilty for not jumping back into a church. You know, there's this guilt of like, I need to be planted. I need to be rooted. And I'm, I don't want to be church hopping or whatever have you. Um, and so they feel guilty about not jumping into a church right away. Because um, there's this now this skepticism because of the injury of abuse and how you know, it's okay to even, like, ease your way back into that. Just drawing off of what you were saying as well. Well, I, I agree. Like, I'll, I'll give you a little inside baseball. Most churches that are growing have people who are hired and strategic, strategically trying to pull visitors in. That's their job. That's what they do. And so if you don't feel like you're at a place where you don't want to, I, I don't mean to use manipulative in an evil sounding way. Yeah. In one sense, it's just, it's responsible for churches to do that. But if you're not in a place where you can settle down like that, you might have to say, I need to, I need to figure out my own bearings here before I can expose myself to suddenly being pulled right back in, in the same kind of sense without knowing that it's a healthy place. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for touching on that. Um, we actually had a brief conversation on Church Hurt with Mike Foster in a previous episode and kind of in the same tune. So I'm so glad that that, that kind this area of the conversation is coming up as well. So just kind of in closing here, I was hoping that you could just maybe give some words of encouragement directly to two people. Um, firstly, what would you say to someone who has been feeling trapped or guilty about walking away and is stuck in that mindset of, I have to endure, I have to tolerate as much as I can until it gets to the very worst. Um, Cause I was, that, I'm that type of person. <laughs> I will try to go through every hoop. Um, what would you say to that person who's feeling trapped by yeah. that? Two things, go back and count how many times Jesus walked away from people or let people walk away from him. It's not a failure to walk away, and you're not the only person who can reach that person. God has a lot of people. The Holy Spirit is powerful. If he's really going to reach that person, he could use someone other than you. So that's that's the first thing, realizing you can't be all things to one person, and if it's just becoming toxic, it, it's like this. Fire is really good. Gasoline is really good. You put them together, there's going to be an explosion. Right. And, 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 and so sometimes I just found whether they're toxic or not, our relationship is toxic and nobody's, everybody's going to be hurt instead of helped. That doesn't honor anybody. The second thing though, so that's the, the defense. The offense is be busy with healthy relationships. Be sacrificial with willing people that need you. I, I, I think, Brittany, I, see, I have younger daughters that yeah. so would love to be mentored by women that would and, and so often in churches more men get mentored than women especially if they're not professionals they, they one one church this guy got pulled in right away joined the church same time as my daughter my daughter was asked if she would like to volunteer in the nursery mm-hmm. now if, if a professional woman would say hey how, you know, here's your job here's what you're doing can we talk can we meet so you won't feel guilty walking away from toxic relationships. If you're mentoring people, if you're encouraging people, I encourage everybody, you should have some Timothys and, and you should have some Pauls. You should have somebody that's mentoring you 
and you should have someone you're mentoring. And so if your life is filled with those healthy, God-honoring relationships, it, it, it's sort of like if somebody says, well, you should eat this, you can say, I'm full. That, that might be a good dish, but I, I'm full. I don't need to eat that. Well, relationally, if somebody says, you've got well, – I don't have time for that. You know, it's not yeah. productive for you. It's not productive for me. I'm going to focus on these. So you're not walking away to binge watch Netflix. You're walking away to be engaged in healthy, God-honoring relationships. Amen. Amen. And then what would you say to the person who's listening? Okay, I'm going to switch it up here for a second. What would you say to the person who's listening and they feel like they're the toxic person? Like they're <laughs> listening to everything you're saying and, you know, maybe people have approached them or maybe they do have this habit or addiction or personality behavior, you know, that they're struggling with. Um and they're the ones that are toxic. Um, what would you say to that person who might be feeling a little convicted or what have you in, in hearing this? Um, what, what hope and redemption is there for the one who's listening? The initial hope is that very few toxic people ever think of themselves as toxic. That's a good point. <laughs> so if somebody's sincerely asking that, I'm thinking, okay, if you have been toxic, you are over the biggest hurdle to heal. <laughs> because the biggest challenge to right. deal with toxic people is their blindness to it and the fact that they enjoy it. If you hate the thought of being toxic, you might be tempted to act in toxic ways, but you're probably not a toxic person. I think one of the definitions of a toxic person is they get a thrill out of hurting people. Uh, that, that, that's unhealthy. Yeah. And that's why some of us, we just don't get it. Why do you gossip? Why do you want to turn people against each other? So, um, but I have a chapter in the book about a guy who was very toxic. He he would study up on particular subjects. For him, it was car restoration. He said to make people feel small, not to teach others, but to make other guys making suggestions look dumb. Mm. That, that's how toxic he was. His heart was broken. He had a real... Uh, moral issue in his life that was bigger than him and going to 12-step groups and, and, and uncovering that, he realized how everything was connected. Finding Jesus Christ, it was a new power in his life uh, with humility, realizing he wasn't who he thought he was and who he was he didn't like very much. You, you can grow. And I would just use those that passage from Colossians 3. If they just read Colossians 3, they'll see both lists. Uh, one is in verse 8, one is in 11 and 12, to evaluate yourself. Okay, do I want to be a person of compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, and love? Or do I enjoy right. anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying? And if you see too much of the latter and not enough of a former, then I, I would go see a counselor, a pastor, a, a mature believer and say, can we start to study this? I think my heart is turning, and um, I, I don't want to go down that road. And mm. I, th that's why I warn people to walk away, frankly, because I'm never more tempted to act in a toxic way than when I'm interacting with a toxic person. Yeah. So if I don't walk away, I can just start to mirror them, and that's where I think it gets really dangerous. 
Yeah, and just how necessary it is for that rock bottom, for those consequences. Because when most of us think about what turned our convictions, it's when we hit that rock, came to the end of ourselves. Like we had to come to the end of ourselves to go, okay, I something has to change here, <laughs> you know, and, and letting that rock bottom happen so that there can be an opportunity for true conviction. Um, and so... Man, you've shared so much here. Um, I am so grateful for you. And I know some people are listening and they're like, I have like 10 people to send this to now, <laughs> this podcast to. Um, but uh, yeah, why don't why don't you let us know where to find your book? I know it's everywhere. How to stay connected with you online and follow the work that you're doing. Right. Well, they if they want to look at the book in particular, it's windowwalkawaybook.com windowwalkawaybook.com they can see an excerpt they can read a little bit they can kind of see if it would be something that's helpful for me personally my website is garythomas.com garythomas.com and I, I do a blog uh, and it's more related to relationships we're adding some more spiritual formation articles and that's where all the the connectors are links to uh, social media as well but you know amazon any bookstore could get them uh, if they're interested in that as well i love it and we'll be sure to link all of those in the show notes below so you guys be sure to check it out especially after just to get an extension of everything that you're hearing today gary thank you again so much um you are so appreciated and we'll continue to follow along with the work that you're doing uh, thanks, Brittany. It was fun to get to talk to a fellow Zondervan author. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time.